ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! But what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. I just got a cramp in my foot. How often does that happen? Often, bro. Happens to me all the time, but I haven't drank water in like six days. Golly, that's weird. It's like in a weird spot, too, in my foot. I don't understand this. Um, you know, but, if you're listening on the radio, that was real life right there because me and Brent were having a conversation all the way up until like seconds ago, and I didn't hear about the foot cramp. So it had just come on in that moment. Yeah, I just, uh, just incredible, happened, like right in that moment. So I had to tell wow. everybody. Sometimes you just got to share what's going on. Not all the time you can share what's going on, but this time I figured a foot cramp was safe. Yeah, you can get the foot cramp in there. What a week. It's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday at 5. Yeah. Gosh, I tell you what, these first two days see, of uh, the week mm-hmm. take a long time. We start early, right? 8 a.m., Monday morning madness. What are you talking? 3 o'clock. <laughs> we got Mojo. 4 o'clock with Rasheed Matz. We're all fired up for it, right? I mean, we got football at 5 on yeah. Monday. We're talking a lot of Jags, NFL. And we go overtime. And then we got Jags Report Live. By the way, Evan Ingram, fantastic last night on Jags Report Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitting a home run with the guests on Jags Report Live you and really Jaguars are. All Access. The guys are fan- They're really good. Really good. I didn't know what to expect out of Evan Ingram because he can be kind of quiet in the locker room. Mm-hmm. He was terrific. It's good. Uh, and awesome. Was, it feels like he had a good time, too. I like when the guys seem like they had a good time on the show. And uh, that's even after a loss. As we said to him, it's a good thing you don't play defense. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't really his fault. I'll give that, you that. Wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been as fun. And I can't imagine that in his previous stop in New York, if he would have been on a TV show the day after a loss, it would have been as fun, right? At least he I had know. old televisions, Brent Martineau and some other guy there to keep him company. Yeah, like, listen, I I don't think the dynamic between the Bostons, New York, and Phillies and everybody else is as wide and crazy as a lot of people like to say. But I will certainly admit, because I've worked in the media in New England, been around it quite a bit in New York when I was up in Albany, not like in the middle, 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 but at times, and obviously been here. And there is a difference. And so I think about it sometimes from a player perspective, like Ingram, who did have some tough times in New York, mm-hmm. and they got after him uh, because they'll get after you. And like I think people get after you anyway because social media now, so it's not just like the media. It's everybody. It's worse. We, right? It might be worse on social media. Absolutely it is. Because, I mean, like, at, we're not going to – Shaq Griffin. I tweeted out yeah. his video, and, like, I hope he doesn't read any of it. You know? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Your replies, yeah. The replies are unbelievable. No, it's 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 so bad. But like to that point, like we're if I'm going to interview Evan Ingram, first of all, I wouldn't even think about saying these things to him on social media either. But like, if you have to square up with Evan Ingram where he's like eight feet taller than you and significantly bigger, like you're not going to say anything like that. So even like the media, they're going to ask the tough questions, okay? But like social media, you're just saying reckless things that you would never say to anybody in person. It's so weird. The thing about Evan Ingram, too, is he is bigger like than you think he is. You know, like, I don't think he comes across that big watching him on the field. No, I think he's But huge. I think they're all big. 
That's no. why. I've seen, you know what I mean? Every, yeah, but I think every time they've ran the tight end screen and, like, he's near the receivers because the receivers are blocking for him, I'm like, oh, he's massive. Like, I just – I get that vibe. Give me a fair, give me a favor to look up his numbers this year. Did 24 catches, does that sound right? Uh, I think yeah. it, I think it will. Evan Ingram, we did this last night. I think he has, uh, I want to say 64, maybe it's 65 catches is his uh, career high in the NFL. We're going back to some of the college days, too. But when he came into this year, we knew that Evan Ingram. 64 is the career high, yeah. Had a chance to eclipse that, right? We wondered, oh, how good could he be at Doug's offense? You know, it's, I would say this. The tight end has not been featured as much as I thought it would be in Doug's offense so far. I agree with that. Yeah, I think, I thought. Here's the thing. It's not again. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't played bad. I just thought there'd be more targets. But to that point, like you got so many targets to go around, and you got to run the football now. Trevor's got to run a little bit. So just I guess the volume's not there. But yeah, I thought there'd be more targets. I definitely thought he would have scored by now. And I'm not even. It's like I'm not even like he didn't even have an opportunity really. Well, actually, he did on the game winner. It was funny last night because we went through the game winner, and he's like. Yeah, he threw it to me every time in practice this week. Oh, right, right. <laughs> well, but then he did a great job. Like, this is go if you get a chance, I think we'll have this up on our Action Sports Shacks. If we don't already, uh, all our folks are kind of busy getting ready for Florida, Georgia, too. But I, we'll try to put it up. And if you missed the show, uh, he, he is explaining that touchdown. And this is where he's really good. And he said, every time in practice, Trevor threw it to me. And this, but he, but he said he made a really good decision because he squared his shoulders up like he was throwing it to me, and everybody bit on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then he found and went back to uh, to Kirk. But it was just funny to watch him there. He's like, "Yeah, that was supposed to be mine." <laughs> God, I appreciate it. <laughs> so he almost got off the bo- got on the board that way. But what is, what does he have? Twenty four catches. This yeah, twenty four for two oh eight. Um. So that does that project out to be? That would be forty-eight seventy-two for like six something. I guess I would. He's catching a lot of these little bubble screenish kind of things, right? Yeah, I yeah he is. I still think so in terms of career numbers. Ironically, his best season was his first one was sixty-four and seven twenty-two and six touchdowns. That's his. That's his where he's been the highlight of his career. I you know even two oh eight at this point in time, it wouldn't shock me if he could say hundred yards, nine hundred yards to be honest, Brent, because I think. I think there's going to be the game. I think Evan Ingram will get his chance. Like, Zay Jones had a chance. Marvin Jones had a game. I think Evan Ingram's going to have one or two games where he's over 100 yards and a touchdown. I Hopefully more than two, but I, I still believe that's going to happen because it just seems like that's what the Jags have done. They're they're finding their feature guy every game, and uh, I think Evan Ingram's is coming pretty soon, maybe even this week against his old team. Well, he did. I think it was Houston, right? I think he had six catches against Houston. And so it's been, it's been interesting. Your point right there, you've had – Kirk, who was super consistent, six six six, and then he's whoa, where'd he go? And he kind of has even this three in a row, really. But he catches the big one, so you don't really care about it uh, from an offensive perspective. But still, it's only like four targets to Christian Kirk. It doesn't seem to make sense. Marvin Jones has the big day, but outside of that, he's been very two three catches kind of thing. Uh-huh. Zay Jones has the big day, misses another game, and then on the go to drive, like he hit him a couple of times, and that was big. But it's really weird, right? Like, there's no consistency to to your point. They keep hitting other players and getting them involved. It was James Robinson, then it's Travis Etienne. Now it's a little bit of both. And it's kind of hard to pinpoint what the Jags are trying to do from a go-to situation. And I guess that makes them a little bit more difficult to defend. But right now, you're also probably not afraid of one particular player because they're not going there. 
And Ingram's interesting in that they seem like they're going there more in the last couple of weeks. It's six catches and four catches or something like that. Uh, I would think he's going to eclipse his 64 catch mark. And he's on pace to do that. Mm -hmm. But I also wouldn't be surprised, to your point, to see an 8-10 to catch game from him. Yeah. He's going to pop. Guaranteed. But but I'll say this, uh, just to piggyback what I started with, I thought they'd use the tight end a lot more, like down the seams. You know the catch he made against Houston actually over the middle? Mm -hmm. That's where I thought they'd do that a bit more. Or in those little honey hole spots, you know, just outside the numbers. I haven't seen that as much as I thought. You know me. I'm a big Dan Arnold guy. Arnold's, like, you are. hardly getting attention. They'll hit Farrell. They did that the other day. But they also, like, token throw to Manhurts a couple of times against Houston. Manhurts seems like he's involved more than I expected. Well, he's Not a lot, but. He's way more involved in the run game, too. He well, probably yeah. doesn't get enough. He probably is one of the stars of the team, and nobody will talk about it, I'll right, because t- we don't see that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, real quick. If uh, I, I don't recommend talking smack to anybody on social media except, like, me or Brent, especially Brent. But, uh, listen, don't ever talk smack to Chris Manhurts. That's, like, the biggest human I've ever seen. Yeah, he's a, he's pretty well put together. Yep. Um, Sorry, I just had to get that out. I'm still in awe about that. Anyway, go on. Yeah, he is. He's uh, well put together. So, but you, you know what I'm getting at? Like, I'm. Are they going to turn it up a notch in terms of their tight end usage? And I agree with you. Like, I could see 70 catches from Ingram, but I would like to see him closer to 800 yards. And he bet on himself this year. Yeah. I think he's got to get to, well, he's got to get three, four, five touchdowns. Like, that's. Like, what's the contract that's making him a ton of money? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I He's I don't not on know. pace to catch 85 balls. No, and the touchdowns aren't there either. I think, but here's the thing with the tight end position. There are a lot of good ones right now, but at the same time, if you don't have one, you don't have one. So, you know, there is there are teams that would pay him, I think, but I, I'm telling you, I'm not even worried. Like, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't been used more, but truly, I think he'll get to the numbers. I think he'll get paid. I already, I think he's been good enough to say, you know what, I want him to, to be here. You know, I don't want him to, like, break the bank and pay him a ton, but... You know, if they can find a way to keep him, I'd be in favor of that again six games in. But still, I like what he's done, and I, I think it's coming. He'll get his chance. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about it. By the way, I'm not criticizing him. I think I almost want more. Like, again, I feel this way with a lot of what the Jags have. I want more of it. I want more Evan Ingram. I want more Christian Kirk. I want more Zay Jones at times. Heck, I wanted more Jamal Agnew for a bit there, and I don't know where his knee is right now. We want more Travis Etienne. We want more James Robinson. Like, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. No, like you, I, you, you've seen some things, but you want to see them featured even more. Agreed. By the way, just on the Ingram thing, I don't know, since we put everything in fantasy terms, he's the 17th best tight end right now in fantasy. Ah, Does that sound about good. right? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Like, And by the way, like we, I would play Ingram for the one game that he pops like crazy, to your point. Oh, I play him every week just hoping. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. he's got that potential. Number one for his skill set and as a player, but with Doug, and and I guess that's kind of I, I didn't. This was more of an organic topic today, but I thought Doug would utilize the tight end even more than he's doing. And I'm not. That's not really a criticism. I think he's done it fine, more than we've seen. Yeah, yeah. To his point, to, to you know, to his defense, more than we've seen. Everything's relative, and Doug's doing everything better than it's been done over the last couple of years. But I just thought it would be even, like, eye-popping, like, look at the tight end, look at the tight end, look at the tight end, another throw to Arnold, another throw to Ingram. Oh, they're mixing in Farrell and Manhurts, you know? And it's, it's not really like that. 
This and one, mo- the biggest surprise to me is Arnold. I, I thought he yeah. would. I figured he could be a matchup problem, and I know he likes him. I think Doug Peterson likes him. So, but getting him on the field with all these other players that we're talking about, getting him the football has not been easy. No, it hasn't. Well, this would probably be a tougher stat to look up. Wonder when the Jags the last time they had a tight end finish the season in the top fifteen in fantasy. I wonder if it's ever happened. Oof, you'd have to go. Like, did Mercedes ever have a huge touchdown season? I don't know. It was the catch- 2010. So right. 2010, he had the big year. But that's uh, like the only year. even. So that would be the only one to look up. Yeah. Because Julius Thomas was a flop. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so this like, didn't work. To that point, like 17, you know, right now, six weeks in, 17 tight end of fantasy again. That's pretty good. You know, yeah. it's not bad. And the last two weeks have been for fantasy good. I mean, right. I mean, you're right there in the middle because there's a lot of tight ends that are. A lot of tight ends, you need the touchdown, right? You're depending on them to have the one catch for six yards and a touchdown. Evan Ingram's not that guy because you're going to get four to six catches, hopefully the yards, and then you get a touchdown. Like, he's the one that could really pop you. To your point, you play him because at some point he's having eight catches for 86 and a touchdown, and then you're winning because of your, your tight end. All right. You know what's weird? Yeah. All the metrics on the Jags say they're like a four and two team. Mm, yeah, you know, they're like top 15 in offense. They're top 10 in defense, points allowed, yards. Uh, I think I just saw another stat. I mean, if you flip through Twitter, you'll see another stat. Pro football focus, whatever it might be. Uh, listen, Jordan DeLugo. Um, we'll talk he to just him on said, Thursday. He just said, yes, he'll be with us on Thursday. He just said 3.6 yards per carry, just 89 yards per game against the run this year for the Jags defense. Well, that's good. Yeah. I saw another stat today, which kind of didn't make sense, but I did see it, that they are, like, number one in the NFL on win rate in pass rush. Really? Like, there's a lot of different numbers, right? I don't even know what that one fully means. But, you know, even against Matt Ryan, the pro football focus numbers came out to say that they had 20 pressures and, like, six or eight quarterback hits. Really? So didn't feel it, like it. I know. It doesn't feel like it, right? And But I will say this. It does feel like the Jags are better than two and four. I'll give you that. Like the eye test tells me they're better team than two and four. I I get it. You are at your record. All that stuff. Like, but I don't know what it means. Is what I'm getting at. Like, I'm not trying to sell you on anything. I just don't know what it means. Like, are the are the Jags going to be one of those teams? Because I think this does happen. Maybe not every year in the NFL, but it does happen from time to time, where they're like an enigma. They're dangerous. They're pretty good. There's a lot to like, but for some odd reason, they don't win football games. They get bad luck or they mess up or whatever. They don't win. I think it happened. I can't even give you a recent example, but I feel like we've had those conversations like, man, I thought they were, their record seems like they should be way better. Mm-hmm. They might be that team this year, which would be so jacks. But uh, that could happen. And But on the flip side of it, it's like, man, there's a lot to – if you want to defend this organization, if you're in my Sunshine and Rainbows Club, if you want to defend where the Jags are going, you've got material. Like, there's things to defend. There are. And there's concrete evidence and numbers to support. We'll see how that rushing stat looks next week, though. <laughs> yeah, well, you got Saquon. They've got, they've got a little bit, uh, well, they've really been in a, a tough running back month. Yeah, here's what's crazy. Now they got lucky with no Jonathan Taylor. Well, they so. did. And here's what's crazy about that the oh, Jonathan Taylor thing. This just maybe, they, maybe it should have been better if he was playing. 
Well, that's true. Uh, you know there's a chance that we don't have to talk about Jonathan Taylor for 365 days plus because they're done with him this year and they might not play him until back half the season next year. Isn't that yeah, that's wild? A good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Like they're done with him so early. Am I wrong with what I just said, though? The Jags would have won that game if Jonathan Taylor played. Like, yeah, I, get I think it. they would have. I get it. I understand. But I don't know. I can't co-sign that. But I think they would have a better chance, to your point, because they would have made an effort to get him the ball more. Well, absolutely. 58 of those passes. Well, yeah, but if, if, my, if they saw my man's Matt Ryan was cooking, they were like, hey, you know what? Forget about it. Yeah, but they wouldn't have come out like that. They came out in a hurry-up offense. They would have controlled the clock. They wouldn't have done that. They, they had no confidence to do that. They, they didn't. I'm not even sure we should give them all the credit. In terms of the coaches, they didn't have another choice. Like, they couldn't sit there and give it to the running back, the third-string running back, with the offensive line that hasn't been doing anything. No. They couldn't just sit there and let Matt Ryan just drop back and pass all the time without mixing it up, quick game, crossing routes, and up-tempo offense to start the game. Like, they had to do all those things, Casey. Like, you know, the up-tempo offense is usually a fire starter, like, in the third quarter for an offense that's not doing anything. They were like, we're coming right out of the gates with it. Yeah, but here's the thing. I I disagree with that point because I think they come out the same way or the Jonathan Taylor point. Like I don't know. I don't think they I think they come out the exact same way they did in that game because in the first time the Jags played them, Jonathan Taylor did nothing and their offensive line is trash right now. So I think that Frank Reich would have came out the same way with the quick passing. Sure, he probably would have touched it more, but I think they should have at least came out with that same game plan because the last time they tried to run Jonathan Taylor it didn't work and Jonathan Taylor is not having a good year. I know he's been hurt. He's missed two games. He's had one good game so far That's because true. I drafted him first in fantasy. My team's one in five. I'm like, bruh, please, somebody, anybody do anything. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he hasn't been. My boys great. suck. People have sold him down. Don't play the music yet. I want to go on to another topic before we end this segment. Okay. Uh, Cyrus uh, says two and four. Who cares? Two winning seasons since I was in fourth grade. All I've heard my whole life is improvement. <laughs> well. So I said to Cyrus, I was like, hey, you got plenty of time, man. <laughs> If, uh, if you remember when you were in fourth grade and they were talking about it, you've got plenty of time. you got plenty of time. I'm probably make Cyrus about, I don't know, early 20s. See I'm if right, I can tell with the picture. I'm right there with you. Uh, uh, on that uh, point, also, Chris, on um, uh, YouTube, Jags are better than their record. We will start winning games. Believe on the Jags. So optimism in the chat. Yeah, and uh, Dan says, tells me, tells me they're missing one or two guys that play above the stat line. And I think that's uh, that's probably true. We know the Jags aren't fully there yet. Um, and, and the metrics can fool you a bit, but I'm trying to think. The reason why I'm hesitating here is, okay, what spot would they be playing above the stat line in? I mean, overall, Josh Allen's six games have been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Walker's probably been more inconsistent, not as good. Devin Lloyd's been pretty good over six games, was not good the other day. Same with Foyer Lewican, but overall they've been pretty good. The Jags secondary actually overall has been pretty good wasn't the other day. Well, shouldn't say not. I, I got to keep Tyson Campbell out of this conversation because he's been good and he was good. Um, yes. You know, their run defense has been good. Their wide receivers, I think, overall have been good, a little inconsistent, I think you could criticize. Their offense in general is scoring 23 points a game, and that's with a six-point, you know, anomaly of 422 yards and no touchdowns. So... Either running backs have played well, again, in the six-game sample. Mm -hmm. Their offensive line, I think, overall has been pretty good. 
I mean, six games, ten sacks. A couple of those on Trevor. Yeah. They're opening up holes. So, like, I get what Dan's saying there, and he's probably right. I just, I'm trying to think, like, where? Like, where are you playing? Well, first of all, they win the Houston game most likely if Trevor doesn't throw the second and one pick. Like, it was just a catastrophic play. And then also Trayvon was a catastrophic play. So they had two catastrophic plays in that game. That absolutely cost them the football game. Yes. This time around, I don't know if the metrics can fully support how bad they played on defense. Even 42 out of 58 doesn't do it. Yeah. At the end of the day, what was it, 380 yards passing? You know, guys have 380-yard passing days. That's a lot. But they only gave up 42 rushing. So the numbers are not going to look as like, well, what happened? Offensively, they didn't turn the ball over. So it's it's more like in those two instances, and you could count Washington probably, but these two games, literally two plays, and I think just one, because I think if Trevor throws a touchdown, I don't think the, the Trayvon thing even becomes a thing. Uh, it, they probably beat them and pick off Mills or something in that game. Nice. But those two plays, and then just the inability to make a stop against the Colts changes both those outcomes, slips everything to four and two. The stats would probably be just about the same. Right? I mean, yeah. you get one stop on defense. Like, remember when they fumbled the football? Uh, Indy did? Yes. Uh, I forget who knocked it loose. I think it was Tyson Campbell, and they couldn't recover. Yeah. So say they recover, but they were moving up and down the field, but they recover. They don't go in there. So they recover that football. So I'll give you one stop there. That's it. And then I'll give you Trevor's pick and Trayvon's bad penalty against Houston. Three plays. Doesn't change the stats much at all from a metric standpoint. And the Jags are four and two. Yeah. So that's like I and I and maybe Dan's trying to say that too, but like that's how close it is for the Jets. And we can't go back and play it out exactly, but I think we have a good feel like, yeah, I think most people would say, yeah, Brent, probably right. Like they make those two plays in Houston, Jags win. They they recover that fumble. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Probably probably end up winning. Twenty seven to twenty three or something. You there know? You yeah. Whatever it is. I don't know. Remember what it been. So um or maybe it would have been 26 eventually. I don't know. But uh, that's how close it is right now. And so that's why the Jags look good. They just haven't made enough winning plays. And they've really made what I call losing plays. Everybody talks about the 3-4 plays in a game. Well, the 3-4 plays you got to go make. I get it. Well, Trevor made it. Trevor made one of those 3-4 plays in the comeback drive. But I call them losing plays because you can't make these catastrophic errors. And that's what the Jags have done so far. And that's why the numbers are skewed. All right, I was going to talk about the owner's stuff with Jim Irsay and Snyder, but we'll do that on the other side. Let's take a break. We're live at DeVoli's House of Cards. Brent Martin, Casey Kurtz, Brent and Friends. Uh, been a big week so far. Red Murray Jones, Drew. We've had a machine math as we always do on Mondays. Blake Bortles joins us today. Tomorrow will be Clay Harbor in the 4 o'clock hour on ESPN 690 as well. So you know where to go for football talk and conversation. It's right here on ESPN 690. Back from DeVoli's House of Cards coming up. Right after this in St. John's County. And don't forget 6 o'clock overtime with Kurtz and Middleton on the docket today as well on ESPN 690. It's not good at all. Uh, and honestly, that's the type of scenario that will probably make owners move on something like 
potentially removing an owner more so than some of the reports that we've seen about the type of behavior that's gone on within the organization. Uh, whether that disgusts you or not, uh, I, I really do think that when you start to talk about stadiums and fundings and locations and public money versus private, those are the things that these owners take more serious than anything else. And ultimately, it does not feel like it's headed in a great direction when it comes to a new stadium in Washington. And if that continues to be the trend, that's where things will get especially hot for Dan Snyder. Well, I talk to the owners' meetings about Dan Snyder, the Washington owner who has gone un- come under fire for, gosh, a decade at least. Brent Morton, back here at the Boys House of Cards. Casey Kurz back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Brent and friends on ESPN 690 on a Tuesday. Uh, let us remind you, too, I uh, had a conversation with Blake Bortles today on the show at 4 o'clock. You can catch all our content on our Action Sports Shacks podcast. You can also go to the YouTube channel, Action Sports Shacks, and catch all our ESPN coverage and CBS 47 and Fox 30 coverage as well, all in one neat place on our uh, YouTube channel if you missed any of it, including Maurice Jones, Drew Monday, Rasheed Mathis as well, and Clay Harbor coming up tomorrow uh, on uh, Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. So Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington uh, Now Commanders, uh, has is a guy that many people think the NFL wants to push out from an ownership standpoint with all the problems they've had. It's been awful in Washington. And then recently... There were some reports that he's got a lot of dirt and had private investigators dig into the dirt on owners. So be ready for a battle. Uh, so it, it started to get a little ugly. Well, reports out of the owners' meetings today, and we've got a lot of quotes, so I'm trying to make sure I've got the right ones. Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, on Snyder. Some of the things I've heard doesn't represent us at all. I want the American public to know what we're about as owners. I believe it's the best interest of the National Football League that we look at this squirrel in the eyes and deal with it. He goes on to say, I'm very concerned, concerned that he needs to be removed. You have to protect the game. You have to protect what we're about. This isn't what we're about. Uh, Let's see. I believe there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins. I'm going to get to more of these. I mean, the quotes are really good uh, from Jim Irsay. Uh, he says, uh, greatly concerning what's happening in Washington and believes the league could have 24 votes necessary to remove Daniel Snyder. Um, where's the one that I, I wanted to catch the one other one? I think I might have read it to you, uh, Casey, but uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're hanging, uh, Brent. I know. I We're know, hanging on your every it. word. There's a lot of people tweeting about it. <laughs> well, it is a big story because it is interesting to hear one of the other owners speak out against them because you don't see that a lot, at least to this this many quotes, right? There's a lot of them. Um, are you talking about the one that says, I believe there is merit in removing him as the owner? Yeah, that's one. But I think he said, basically, he was, Ursay was asked, well, what about all this stuff that he supposedly has on the owners? And he said, I don't care. He can say what he wants till the cows come home. It needs to happen. Oh, yes. Meaning, I don't care if he's got dirt on any of us. He needs to go. You know? So, I mean, and to vocally say that, I think, is pretty significant. I've got some more here. Uh, Asked if they'd consider allowing the team to remain in the Snyder family. Ursay said, moving the team or selling could be options. Uh, There will be no vote on Snyder's status today. Quote, I don't know how long that will take. Ursay said he wants a thorough investigation. Um, 
Here's, here's the quote I was looking for. Ursi said he doesn't care if Snyder might have dirt on other owners. Quote, he can investigate me till the cows come home. It's not going to back me off. That was the one I was uh, mm-hmm. I was looking for. So, anyway, I mean, pretty strong stuff from Jim Ursay. And now you've kind of got a little bit of a line in the sand, right? You've got Snyder, who we'll see if he'll publicly say as much as a guy like Ursay will. But there is some thought, I think I've seen recent articles, that Jerry Jones is kind of on the side of Snyder and they get along. Uh, but... I will tell you this, and I believe this, that I don't think other owners, billionaires, want to be around a guy that is smearing the shield at times. I mean, there's been this has been endless with Snyder and Washington. Yeah, and the Washington Commanders, as an organization, would be better for it if he would sell the team. They would, because there's no way of coming back from this. Like Snyder's never going to be fully appreciated or liked, even if they were to come back and win Super Bowls. And, you know, he's really been a bad owner on a lot of different fronts. Spent a ton of money early on, didn't do anything with it, and then has had countless uh, investigations, allegations, articles written about him. I mean, this isn't like an everyday thing in the NFL. It's like an everyday thing in Washington. Yeah. And while you'd like to give credit to the Washington Post, it's not all because of that. It's because of Snyder and the way he runs things. Yeah, (laughs) not a uh, world-class operation being ran up there. I think what's interesting about what what Ursay said in, obviously, the last one, and I don't think I'm in the minority here, but I might be. I think that if they want to dig into all the owners, I'm sure that they'll find at least something that is uh, not ideal, not necessarily as bad as what Dan Snyder has been doing, but... There's probably something there for everybody that you don't want people to find. So I think the idea that Jim Ursay is like, you know what, I'm going to open up myself for that. Okay, whatever it takes to get this guy out, I think is in, is extremely powerful because, again, you don't have all the owners saying that, but you do have one that talks more than the others. It seems like outside of Jerry Jones, Jim Ursay tweets and talks a lot. Jim Ursay is out here tweeting out who's going to miss the game for the Colts. So you have a guy... <laughs> That's not afraid to talk and say these things. It is kind of good to hear. Um, we'll see if the other owners follow suit, but I do like the, I guess, up for upfront role he's taking in this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ursay is a guy that, like, heck, he's got a few in him and isn't afraid to be on social media. You know? Right. Uh, so here's a, by the way, we got a latest to this. There's a, now a rebuttal. Uh, I just went by it. Hang on a second. Here it comes. Uh, this is from J.P. Finley up there in Washington. And this is a uh, statement from Snyder. Uh, maybe it's a statement from the commanders, we'll see, or, or some of his representation. But here's a, how it goes. It is highly inappropriate but not surprising that Mr. Ursay opted to make statements publicly based on falsehoods in the media. It is unfortunate that Mr. Ursay decided to go public with a statement today. While an investigation is in process and the team has had no opportunity to formally respond to allegations. The commanders have made remarkable progress over the past two years. We are confident that when he has an opportunity to see the actual evidence in this case, Mr. Ursay will conclude that there is no reason for the Snyder's to consider selling the franchise, and they won't. So, I think if they're not, like, he's going to dig in on that, right? Well, then they're going to have to force him out. Yep. And they will take 24 votes to force him out, and that could be uh, a landmark moment. That would be wild. uh, For Washington to do it. Was it a force out with Carolina? I don't uh, think so. It was close. It was close. I, but I think they 
at like it was going that way, so they just decided to sell. I think yeah. that's how that played out. Yeah, I think it, it actually was. It seemed smoother than taking yes. a vote on it and yeah, the rest yeah, of yeah. it, right? So, uh, you know, speaking of uh, league business, real quick, um, the Tennessee Titans obviously announced the stadium's coming soon. Yeah, what in the world? I saw your tweet about yeah. another dome stadium. Yeah, man, that thing was popping off. No followers, but a few likes. It's okay. We're working on it. <laughs> it's popping off. Yeah, man, like 23 <laughs> likes. Here's were the you, thing. Would you, you want a dome? Yeah. Some sort of something, bro. It's hot. Not today. It is but hot. It's toasty now. Sunday's probably going to be pretty nice, though, so I'm with that. I just I don't understand how Houston... Indy and now Tennessee all have the ability to play inside, and in Jacksonville, Florida, we have to play outside. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm. I'm Stupid actually, Titans. and I don't think this happened. Like, I don't know which way they're going to end up going. Well, listen, this is going to be a renovation. At least that's the way it's going to be pitched, and that's what everybody has been talking about and planning on. And I mean, how soon that ball starts to roll? I, I think it's right around the corner, uh, but. I, so this is totally different from a, this renovation talking about new stadium and in Tennessee they're talking new stadium. I don't see a dome stadium coming to Jacksonville. I really don't know if I need one or want one. I like the way L.A. is, and you've been out there now, Casey. Yeah. I like the open-air nature of that. I really like that. I think it's kind of cool. L.A. is cool, 100%. And, and I think you could get away with that. It might still be hot at times, but between some of the the shaded roof, Mm-hmm. But not domed roof. Yes, um, I think would be kind of neat in Jacksonville. So, I, but again, I've, I think I've had this discussion. I don't think I don't know if that's realistic or not. It, it doesn't sound like it might not be realistic. I don't know what's realistic. Who knows? Depending on how much money uh, it is going to cost. But I'm just telling you, if I had like a perfect world scenario, I think I'd rather have that than the dome. Yeah. And and L.A. built a five billion dollar stadium. And they're hosting all these crazy good events. So you don't need a dome to host Super Bowls and national championships and the rest. Yeah, but something. Need something. But you do need to make it cool. That, that's like that's going to be one of the high priorities, no doubt. I mean, they know that. Everybody knows that. That is, heck, it's probably some of the motivation to get it done. Yeah. And the, the Tennessee deal feels just so much different because there's like a half a billion dollars of state money that they provide for things like this, and the state of Florida doesn't do that. And Tennessee is fortunate where, like, the current mayor in Tennessee can position it like we're getting out of a bad deal because the original deal wasn't a great deal for the taxpayers. Really? Well, no, they were going to go for another, like, 20 years on the lease trying to maintain a stadium that was going to have to be maintained at more expense than it had been in the first, like, 20 years. And so they get out of that deal. They actually kick like $2 billion back before they get going forward, you know, and, and however they make the finances work after that. Well, that's significant. Too yeah, much, there's too so much that goes into the stadium stuff. Um, and here's I don't the, do math. I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to it because I think there's a lot of politics to it, right? There's a lot of taxpayer uh, emotion and, and, and money and, involved in it. Um, at the end of the day, like, if you want to super simplify it, like, it's got to happen. It's got to happen to some degree. Yeah. Because we know that's what makes the NFL go around. And 
it kind of reminds me of this, and this probably isn't an apples or a, an apples to apples situation. But used to be studies in college football, and I'm not talking about the Alabamas and everything else, but especially the lower schools, maybe it's a Division II school, like my school, Ashland University, where football would cost you. I, the study back in the day, this was like some 20 years ago, but I remember the numbers were something like football would cost some like $250,000, $300,000 to operate. And they'd have, or, or maybe even more than that, but they would lose like $250,000, $300,000, the yeah. university. Like, so it didn't make like economic sense. Yeah. Right? UNF fits in this. But, well, yeah, they're, they've done those studies, too. And, may, and again, the money's totally different, and I'm just kind of spitballing from, from past memory. But the bottom line is there are a lot of schools in the country, in college, that were losing money because of football. Yes. But the feel, the, hey, oh, you have a football program? That's also why I'm coming to school. I want to go to a football game on Saturday. Those, those, like the feel that you have because you had football on campus – versus not having it because that question gets asked was worth it in almost admissions Mm -hmm. you know what i mean in a different kind of way yeah i kind of feel like that when it comes to well the jags here in town the nfl the stadiums those kind of things that maybe it doesn't make complete financial sense in some areas but how many people will tell you when the jags win three games in a row this city feels different everybody right yeah like yeah like that's there's that part of it. And that's why the Jags have to get winning and make this. That will e- All that stuff will ease if they can win games, get feeling good, going in the right direction. That has been one problem with the organization uh, from an on-the-field performance trying to get things done off the field when money is involved. But people get in their emotions and like, all right, let's go. I want more W's. Right. Right. Uh, if if you could have if you could have asked for everything coming off 2017, you would have got everything because everybody felt great. Yeah. And it was going to be there for the next five years. So Jags have to get back to that on the field. That will also help everything. Um, so I kind of attack this from almost a feel standpoint, and I fully understand there's a financial standpoint of it too. Um, but. Tennessee does have a little bit of an advantage for even on the financial standpoint, they can kind of skirt this as like, hey, that's a pretty good deal. The one other thing I say is there are only so many billionaires in the world. Right. You know what happens when there's only so many of something in the world? That something has a little bit of power. You think? <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I'm here at the Boys House of Cards. If you, you got a rare card, it's worth more money. It is. Right? There's yeah. more value to it. There's more power to it. Well, how many billionaires are there outside the NFL? There's some. But that's why there's they kind of get their financial way, I think, in a lot of markets and a lot of this, the way this shakes out, that people have a problem with. Um, well, because you're not just going to find another one walking down the street all the time. So there's an element of that that exists. But uh, we'll see where this goes with the Jags. Uh, the Tennessee news was interesting. Uh, and you brought up a good point of all of them in the AFC South domes. Houston's really interesting because yeah. I get it in Indianapolis, and I even get it in Tennessee. It gets cold up there, can snow a little bit up there. Uh, but Houston's interesting that they have a dome. Yeah, just the worst. Hey, we'll update you on the baseball. Uh, Yankees playing right now. And a weird thing happened in the last couple of days because of the rain out last night. Uh, we talked a little baseball to close the show. Here from the Devoli's House of Cards in St. John's County, Brenton Friends on ESPN 690.
Welcome back, everybody, to Devoli's House of Cards. Brett Martin, Casey Kurtz, Brent and Friends. Been a fun Tuesday once again. Uh, fantasy card breaks. We've got our team set. I'll pass them along, Casey. What we got? Overall, not bad. Not bad. We were able to at least field a team, so we got that going. Uh, I mean, not bad. Gonna, Are we going to win or what? We're going to need big weeks. We might talk about this tomorrow. You know, touchdowns and scoring are down. And I also saw the top four fantasy football getters of the year are all on a bye week this week. How about that? Be ready to be disappointed, boys. And be Who's disappointed. Our Who's our quarterback? We got Brady. We got Rodgers. I got Kyler Murray. I got everybody in get right games. Did you they got to break Kyler? out. Please tell me you didn't play Kyler Murray. I did, one of them. Yeah, that's on a hunch. He's got to save the, the guy's job. Uh, what's his name? Kingsbury. He doesn't care about the guy. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, Yankees, they're winning? 4-1 to yeah, one in the it's fifth. Yeah, 4-1 Yankees. Stan with a three-run homer in the first, Judge with a solo homer, and then oh, uh, big boppers. Uh, Guardians had the bases loaded with nobody out, and they only got one run out of it. Oh, so that's gonna, yeah. but you know why? Because they're tired. They couldn't have a hotel. They had to split up. I mean, what's going on, baseball? That's a wild thing. They had to make the team split up because their hotel was overbooked. Listen, if there's one thing you can take away from this, outside of the first base, co first base coach for the Yankees, everything else is scum. <laughs> Everything else going on in that organization is scum right now, okay? You can't make the team split up. They begged for the game uh, to get delayed so they didn't cancel it right away, all these things. It's a disaster in New York, and they're somehow going to get to advance. It's not right. There is going to right. be some kind of filing from the MLBPA on that. I guarantee it. Because it's in their contract that they're supposed to be at these luxurious hotels and all this stuff. The game's I under protest. Yeah, they should have done that. And it's a little, you know, like creatures of habit. They all of a sudden they're staying at three different hotels in New York. What a disaster! Oh, the travel guy. I feel bad for him, man. That must have been an epic disaster. Terry Francona was probably out of his mind, man. No doubt. All right, uh, overtime with Kurtzman Middleton coming up. Fun day with Blake Bortles. You can go back and listen on the podcast and on YouTube. Appreciate him coming on and our other guests as well. Overtime, Kurtzman Middleton next on ESPN six nine. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.